This morning we're going to do a short Bible study on the Ascension of Jesus Christ. The Ascension of Christ is one of the most important events in the life of Christ for a believer. Of course, there are many important events in his life, his birth, his death on the cross, his resurrection on Easter Sunday, and then he walked on the earth for 40 days before meeting with the apostles and then ascending into heaven, which was a precursor to the Holy Spirit coming approximately one week later. Our study text verses for today will be from the New Testament, the book of Acts in chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And Jesus, we thank you for being our God and for being faithful to do your Father's will and to go to the cross. Jesus, we also thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to be with us, to dwell with us. Lord, we ask that this Bible study that we do today would be honoring to you and to your kingdom. We love you, God. Amen. So let's take a look at these text verses, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, and we can read these verses together and then look at them in a little bit more detail. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. The former treatise, Have I Made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, Wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. These verses from the first chapter of Acts, we see that Jesus assembles the apostles together, but we also should note that he was first resurrected in Jerusalem, and then he commands that he will meet the apostles in Galilee. If you look at a map 
of Jerusalem, Galilee is approximately 65, 70 miles north of Jerusalem. So the initial meetings with the apostles would entail them having to walk several days, perhaps three, four days over some difficult terrain to get all the way up to Galilee. And we don't know how long the Lord walked and talked and preached and taught with the apostles in Galilee, but eventually they made their way back down to Jerusalem because Jesus ascended into heaven on the southeast side of Mount Olivet, which is in a little town, Bethany, which is a less than two miles outside of Jerusalem. During that time, the Bible points out that there were many infallible proofs that Jesus was indeed risen from the dead. And we're going to look at some of these verses in a little bit more detail. But let's briefly look at a verse from 1 Timothy 3.16. And it says, Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. And what a beautiful passage. This really summarizes the ministry of Jesus and the deity of his Godhead. And it ends with, he was received up into glory. This is the ascension of Christ. Let's look at Acts 1, 1 in a little bit more detail. This is the form of treatise, Have I Made, O Theophilus? The book of Acts was written by Luke, and the Gospel of Luke was also written by Luke. And what's interesting, the, the writer Luke dedicates both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts to this gentleman named Theophilus. And we really don't know anything about Theophilus. Easton's Bible Dictionary gives us this following information. Theophilus' name means lover of God. He was a Christian, probably a Roman, to whom Luke dedicated both his gospel and the book of Acts of the Apostles. Nothing beyond this is known of him from the fact that Luke applies to him the title Most Excellent, the same title Paul uses in addressing Felix and Festus. It has been concluded that Theophilus was a person of rank, perhaps a Roman officer. So the Bible has 66 books and two of them are dedicated to this individual named Theophilus. In the book of Luke, chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, it reads, It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. So Luke is writing here that Theophilus this title, Most Excellent, he might know with certainty the things that he had been taught from the Old Testament. The Old Testament and the New Testament weave beautifully together by the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1-2, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost was given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. So Jesus walked with the apostles for approximately 40 days, and during that time, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he gave commandments unto the apostles. And these were the individuals that he had chosen. In the book of John, chapter 16, this is before Jesus died on the cross. Jesus said to his apostles, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. 
For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So Jesus, before his death, spoke of sending the Comforter, and he said he had to go away. In other words, he was foretelling his ascension into heaven. And at that point, it appears most of the apostles didn't really understand that Jesus would go to the cross and die, be resurrected, and then walk on the earth for a short 40-day period and ascend into heaven. Acts 1.3 To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. From this verse, we learn several things. He showed himself alive after his passion. Jesus' passion was his crucifixion on the cross, that terrible ordeal that he suffered on our behalf. Not only a physical death, but a separation in the spirit world to pay the death penalty for our sin. Jesus is the propitiation for our sin. Propitiation means it assuages, it takes away the wrath of God that is due every one of us. And this was the reason for Christ's passion on the cross. It says here that he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. Jesus could walk through a wall and yet he could sit down and have dinner with the apostles. And he was seen of many people on many different occasions. And what was he doing during these 40 days? He was teaching and preaching of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And really, that's our mission statement. We are to go and teach all people about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 32, it says, But after I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. So here we see where Jesus is saying, After I am risen, so he's speaking before he's died, he, on the cross, he says, I will go before you into Galilee. He was instructing the apostles that they would have to make that journey north up to the Sea of Galilee, and he would meet them there. Mark 16, verse 7 says, But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him, as he said unto you. Mark 16 speaks of the angel speaking to Mary as she looked into the tomb and didn't see Jesus, that the angel said to Mary, go your way and tell his disciples and specifically Peter that he goes before you into Galilee and there you shall see. So this is how the apostles were instructed to go into Galilee. 1 Corinthians 15.5 says, and that he was seen of Cephas, that's Peter, and then of the 12. So apparently Jesus, after he resurrected from the dead, met first with Peter. And doesn't this speak to Jesus' mercy? Remember, Peter had denied Christ three times before his crucifixion on the cross. Peter had boldly proclaimed that he would never, ever deny Christ. And yet before the cock crew, he denied him three times. And Jesus instructed the angel to say to Mary, tell him that I am risen. And now he meets privately with Peter before he meets with the 12. Let me read that again. 1 Corinthians 15, 5. 
and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. Remember, Judas had committed suicide, but they had replaced him with another apostle. So again, there were twelve apostles. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 6 says, After that, he was seen, Jesus was seen, of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. This is a writing from Paul in 1 Corinthians. Paul is writing approximately 20 to 25 years after Jesus had ascended. And he's pointing out to many of the believers that Jesus was seen of more than 500 people at one time. Imagine a church congregation with 500 people in an auditorium. That would be a quite full auditorium. And Paul is pointing out that the greater part, more than half of those 500 people, are still remaining present. They're still alive. But some have fallen asleep. Some have died. But more than half the people at that point, 20 years later or 25 years later, were still alive and could be referenced. When people were saying that Jesus, no, he didn't rise from the dead, Paul would say, well, why don't you go talk to Joe over there? Joe saw him alive. He was in a large group when Jesus met with them. Acts 1.4 And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. Acts 1.4 now is after the 40 days. This is right before Jesus is ready to ascend into heaven. And he's saying now, okay guys, wait here in Jerusalem because it's soon the promise of the Father, the Comforter, which you have also heard of me, will be sent to you. Titus chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 points out, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed upon us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. This promise of the Father is the Holy Ghost, and Jesus is the one who shed him upon us abundantly. And it says, through Jesus Christ, our Savior. The reason Jesus went to the cross is because we can't work our way into heaven. The Bible says the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. We know that. The reason Jesus died is that hell is real and we need a Savior in order to go into heaven. Acts 1.5 For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So Pentecost means 50, 50 days. And that was 50 days from the Passover. So if Jesus was in the tomb three days and three nights, as Jonas was in the belly of the whale, and then he was resurrected, and then he walked on the earth for 40 days, that's a total of 43 days, and a Pentecost Sunday is 50 days after the Passover, that would put Jesus sending the Comforter approximately one week after he ascended into heaven. So it would be three days plus 40 plus 7 equals 50. Here it's saying in verse 1-5, John truly baptized with water. Remember, John the Baptist baptized Jesus in the River Jordan. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost 
Luke chapter 24, verse 47 and 48 says, And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. Why did God send the Holy Ghost? So that we would receive power from God. This power gives us a desire to preach repentance and remission of sins. And it should be preached in his name. We need to preach the name of Jesus, the gospel of Christ. Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And we're supposed to go into all nations. Acts 1.6 says, When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Now we have the gathering of the apostles with Jesus, and of course they're asking him, Will you restore again the kingdom to Israel? They saw and believed that Jesus had died on the cross and was now resurrected. And they believed that he was the Messiah. Remember, Peter called him the Messiah in the presence of the apostles. And the Messiah was to be the ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And yet Israel was a conquered nation. They were under the power and the authority of Rome. And as a whole, the culture of Israel wanted to be made free. And the Jews, when they were children, they learned the Old Testament. They knew the promises in Scripture. For example, Isaiah 1.26 says, And I will restore thy judges as at the first, and thy counselors as at the beginning. Afterward, thou shalt be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. So these residents of Jerusalem, this faithful city, this city of righteousness, Jerusalem, it would be restored as at the first. And of course, the Jewish culture and tradition and the history books spoke greatly of David's conquests and Solomon's powerful rule and kingdom. They were expecting that Jerusalem would be restored to its power through the Messiah, Christ. Daniel chapter 7 verse 27 also speaks to the coming restoration. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. And this is speaking not only in the physical realm, but in the spiritual realm. All dominions and powers and authorities will serve and obey Jesus Christ. However, the time of that powerful reign was not when Jesus was resurrected and ready to ascend. Indeed, 2,000 years later, Jesus has not come back. If he were to come back today, there would still be the seven-year tribulation and a 1,000-year reign. So at the minimum, this everlasting kingdom will not come until at least 1,007 years hence. Acts 1-7, And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. So Jesus said to the apostles, Sorry guys, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. The Father only knows when he will 
send Jesus to return. In fact, Matthew 24, verses 35 and 36 speak to this. It says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So Jesus is speaking to his apostles. This is before his death and says, no one knows when heaven and earth will pass away, only the Father, which makes you wonder, does that mean Jesus himself doesn't know? Well, we have to remember, Jesus is 100% God and Jesus is also 100% man. And this is known as the hypostatic union. In Jesus' deity, because he said the Father and I are one, Jesus knows when heaven and earth will pass away. Because as God, he knows all things. His Holy Spirit is God and knows all things. But remember, Jesus is 100% man. In his human nature, perhaps he does not know that. And that's why he's saying, but my Father only. It's very interesting. And this really indeed is a mystery. Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Jesus is speaking here and says, you will receive power from the Holy Ghost when he's come upon you. And as witnesses, your mission statement is to go preach and teach the word, starting in Jerusalem, where he was speaking at this time, to the Jews, and he says in all Judea. Several months ago, my wife and I went to Jerusalem and we took one of those day tours, a taxi driver drove us out of Jerusalem and we went into the mountains surrounding Jerusalem, which is the area called Judea. If you travel north approximately 40 miles, you go into the area called Samaria. And then if you continue farther north, you go into the area where the Sea of Galilee is. But Jesus is saying here in Jerusalem, all Judea, and into Samaria, and then onto the uttermost part of the earth. The uttermost part of the earth includes China and Russia and Europe, South America, anywhere on the face of the earth. Our mission is to go and preach and teach the gospel. That's why it's great to see missionaries that go and are faithful to God's word all over the earth. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, these are the last words God speaks in the book of Matthew, again, right before his ascension. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So the end of the world is not only geographically going as far as you can go, but it also speaks to Jesus being with us as we speak the word to the end of this age until Jesus returns. Acts 1.9 says, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, 
he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. While he's speaking, he's lifted up, he's ascended into heaven, and he goes into a cloud, and now he's received out of their sight. And you can almost imagine if you were there, you would be just staring up into heaven. This God, man, Jesus, whom you loved and who now you're willing to die for is taken up out of your sight. Remember when the apostles were gathered together after Jesus had died on the cross, they were afraid to go out. And perhaps that's why Jesus said, okay, I'm going to meet you up in Galilee this 65, 70 miles north, because you're going to be more safe up there. Here in Jerusalem, the leaders, they're looking for the followers of Christ. But there's not so much pressure, not so much danger up in the north country. Now they've come back to Jerusalem. Apparently, the, the apostles are no longer fearing the Jewish leaders. And if you look at the history of the 12 apostles, it appears that many of them died martyrs' deaths. Some are spoken of in the gospel, and some of them through tradition or through history books are spoken of as dying as martyrs. We also know that they traveled far away. The apostle Paul went all the way to Europe, to Spain. Peter went all the way to Babylon. And it's taken through culture that Thomas went all the way to India. So indeed, they did take the word of God into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth, following God's great command and commission to us. Mark 16, 19 and 20 says, So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. So we see not only does Matthew chapter 28 speak of what Jesus did right before he ascended. Here we see in the book of Mark, Jesus spoke to them and was received up into heaven. And it also adds that he is sat on the right hand of God. This is how we know that Jesus is seated in heaven with the Father. And in his human form, he's waiting for the Father to say, okay, Jesus, now it's time to go get your bride. In the book of Luke, chapter 24, verses 50 to 52, it also speaks of Jesus right before he ascends. And it also gives us specifically the location in Bethany. It says, and he led them out as far as to Bethany and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. So Bethany is on the southeast side of Mount Olivet, not too far outside of Jerusalem. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. They worshiped him because they were believers and only a true saint can worship God. If people do not have true faith, they're worshiping an idol. But the apostles here, they worshiped him in true faith. And it says they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. They were ready to take the commission to the world. Acts 
1.10 says, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. These two men are angels. And while they're looking into heaven, where they had last seen Jesus go into this cloud, the angels stand by them in white apparel. We also have angels in white apparel in several other times in the Bible. Remember, two angels came with Jesus to visit with Abram before Sarai became pregnant with Isaac. Also, we remember that these two angels then went on to Sodom and Gomorrah. There were two angels that stood on each side of the river Hedekel when Daniel was given his prophecy, his vision. And here in John chapter 20, verses 12 to 14, we see two angels. I'll read those verses and see if two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, speaking to Mary, Why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have lain him. And when she had thus said, she turned her back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Here's further proof that Jesus had resurrected and he actually was standing behind Mary at this time. Acts 1.11 Which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. The angels ask the men that are staring into heaven, why are you looking into heaven? It's almost like a silly question. I think any of us, if we saw Jesus going to heaven, we'd be looking up into heaven to see where he went. And yet these angels say, why are you looking into heaven? And then they give the promise. Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go. Jesus will return one day and he will come and he will come to take his bride with him. Oh, what a glorious day that will be. John 16, 28. This is Jesus speaking. I came forth from the Father and am come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. Jesus came down to be our Savior and he ascended into heaven to send his Holy Spirit, the Comforter. And now we have the ability to have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Remember, when we are saved, our body becomes a temple of the Holy Ghost. Jesus' Holy Spirit literally resides in us. If we live a clean and pure life, if we do not quench the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus will do mighty things through us, his servants, for his kingdom and for his glory and for his honor. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for these wonderful verses that you have in the first chapter of the book of Acts when you ascended into heaven and the purpose that you went into heaven to be seated at the right hand of the Father was so that you could send the Comforter on Pentecost Sunday and the Comforter, your Holy Spirit, can work mightily through your saints that are on the earth. Indeed, for the last 2,000 years, many, many men have been mightily used 
of you for your kingdom through the power of your Holy Ghost. And Jesus, today if somebody is listening to this message and they have not met you as their Lord, God, and Savior, they have not yet repented with the power of the Holy Ghost, with a godly sorrow, and have not received you into their life, that today might be their day of salvation. Your word says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. We don't know if we'll even be alive tomorrow. Your word says, What is life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Lord, that the listener would hear this message that you died for them on the cross. Your beautiful verse, John 3:16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, should not go to hell, but have everlasting life. That whosoever means it could be anyone on earth. There's no sin so vile that your blood cannot cover it, that you cannot wash that sin penalty away. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. And bless us today as we go about and try to do your will. Amen.